The Space Case Sarah Show with space nerds Kobe and Benjamin. Who is Space Case Sarah? Spunky, edgy, smart, funny, and a rebel feminist. Now, witness it yourself on iRock Space Radio. Hello, space enthusiasts, and welcome to another episode of the Space Case Sarah Show with my co-hosts, Benjamin Salas and Kavi Rose, joining me from all their respective corners of the world where it looks very nice and sunny. And uh, we have another really fun episode for you. Someone remind me what element this episode case is being named after. Beryllium. Beryllium. (laughs) I need to put a periodic table in my office, apparently. Uh, And an apology to listeners for last week's episode. I did a sound and apparently it was very hard for people to hear what that was. I Mm -hmm. use headphones when I record and when I edit. And so headphones are magnificently more uh, like good at amplifying sound than just your ambient like TV, radio. So um, that would be probably why you didn't hear it. I will tell you what it was. It was actually Perseverance picking up the sound of ingenuity oh, flying. We get some good guesses, but we didn't get them. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it was faint, to be fair, even in my headphones. I just didn't realize that, that it wouldn't translate well from my medium of listening to somebody else's. So I apologize. I will think a little bit better about the sounds that I use going forward. But yes, we had some some black hole guesses. And um, mm-hmm. so for those of you who did take a stab at it, I, I, I do apologize again for that sound quality. That was my fault. But we shall uh, maybe revisit a sound next week. But for this week, we have our beryllium fun facts presented by Kavi and what other, or do you have other fun facts you'd like to present with us today? Well, I couldn't look past beryllium. I mean, beryllium (laughs) is obviously everyone's favorite element and we all know so much about it. Obviously. But (laughs) I mean, the thing that I couldn't look past is the fact that beryllium is uh, the element that's used for the James Webb telescope's mirror. Did you know? Really? Yeah, I knew it was gold, yeah. but there's yeah. So beryllium, beryllium per, yeah, beryllium actually has a lot of really interesting thermal properties, and and for that reason, it was chosen to be used to make mm. this enormous mirror. That actually, if it had been constructed of the same um, glass and aluminum coating that Hubble's mirror had, uh, it would have been way too heavy and would have been all sorts of problems with the launch. And yeah, that's why they used beryllium. Okay. Awesome. Interesting. Yeah. And does beryllium have a, I, I'm sorry, I feel like my lack of chemistry knowledge is like glaring right now, but it, does it have a reflective, um, is it shiny similar to gold? So I, from, from my understanding, beryllium is basically uh, a mineral that is found within beryl stones. So beryl stones are things like emeralds. Um, I think beryl oh, okay. comes from like the Greek of uh, bluish green stone or something like that. And so basically you have okay. different classes of, you know, precious gems like emeralds that contain a lot of beryllium. So it's kind of like a a glassy type substance. And then, you know, like glass, um, as it gets shined and coated, it will, you know, become more and more reflective and can be used as a mirror. Hmm. Okay. Well, that is your fun fact science moment with Kavi. (laughs) And Benjamin, what are you going to bring to the show today? Because you had, when we started this 
new show format, you had like a slew of like, we could do this and we could do this and this and this. So I'm kind of giving you like this dealer's choice of what would you like to share today? Uh, uh, I don't know which way to go. Um, (laughs) The spheres are at the heart of quantum flux drive technology as expressed as this, as uh, described (laughs) in the uh, galaxy quest movie. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> so I had to get that out there because there's oh no Oh my way gosh, I haven't watched that in so by. long. It's such a I good actually movie. watched it yesterday just because of this. <laughs> uh, we do, I do have some uh, science fact of the day type stuff. Um, this is going to be airing on September 3rd. So happy astronaut birthday, September 3rd to NASA astronaut Sherwood Spring, who uh, brought the most 80s looking mustache to space you've ever seen. <laughs> Fantastic. Shuttle flight STS-61. On this day in 1976, the Viking 2 touched down on Mars and took the very first photo from the surface of Mars. So today, September 3rd is a very big day. And one more fun fact about September 3rd is that in the year 1752, September 3rd didn't exist. The Roman era julian calendar had fallen so far out of whack with the solar cycle that in 1752 britain and the american colony said we're going to skip september 3rd all the way through september 13th so one day was september 2nd the next day was september 14th and from that moment on they've accept they've uh been following the uh, gregorian calendar and embracing leap years and leap minutes and stuff like that ever since wow but they had to start somewhere and they had to do it That's drastically so and they pulled the band-aid off in 1752 <laughs> and lost a week there's a you... yeah a whole a whole group of kids were probably like i didn't get what? to celebrate my birthday <laughs> <laughs> i gotta imagine and, uh, being one of the people who just didn't like wasn't aware that this was a thing done for calendar reasons and suddenly mm-hmm. everyone around them was just like what do you mean man it's next week and, you know, somebody who had a pretty hard night the night before was like, damn, how much did I drink? What happened? I, I right, drank right. two weeks into the future. <laughs> It'd be an epic <laughs> prank, right? Hey, but it's not even a prank. It's just like, hey, hey, Frank, sorry. Uh, today is the 14th. What? I had that job interview. Yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> want to tell you, man. Like, you, you missed out. And, you know, I learned this when I went to Nepal that I, for some reason, I just kind of assumed we, you know, I knew... I don't know. I just kind of assume we all followed the same calendar, but you know, there were buildings in Nepal that are like dedicated in the year 2026. And you're like, what? And it's cause you know, yeah, we yeah. like we're not everyone follows the same calendar by like years. I, I, that kind of really took, I, I sometimes, um, my boyfriend's like, how do you not know these things? And I'm like, I don't know. Sometimes I just don't know things. I did not know that. So, um, but yeah, that is, uh, that's awesome. And I also kind of really want to do an homage to uh, the, the fact that you said Gregorian calendar and Gregorian chants and be like, oh, righty then. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I just have lots of Monty Python imagery. Coming. Yeah, I'm just picturing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> Oh gosh, uh, we have yet to fully unleash our senses of humor and uh, <laughs> and full nerdy glory to this audience. You listeners don't get to see these uh, behind the scene chats that we have and all the memes and the gifts that get tossed back and forth. And like Kavi is he your art form of meme creation? It literally inspires me. It's it's 
So if you are not following, he's voguing right now. I know he is. Fun (laughs) fact, science. And if you're not following science, actually, actually science, depending on where you are on YouTube on, or I suppose you guys maybe have a YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, go find these two gentlemen, because not only are they hilarious, they also post really informative and interesting facts. Like I learned a very interesting fact today from uh, science, actually, actually science, I don't know, on TikTok, but your your post about how many times collectively the the rockets mm-hmm. were used for the shuttle missiles that are now on SLS. I don't mm, remember that right? number, but you- I think uh, it was uh, 21. Yeah, The four combined. RS-25 engines on the bottom of the center of the, 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 the four main engines that are running that are not the boosters for SLS. They've all flown on shuttle missions before. Right, and so, and collectively, you you added up how many times they've they've flown. Yes. So some of them have flown together before, so they're they're friends already. <laughs> and, Except uh, for that third one, that one we're not speaking to at the moment. The one of the check engine light was on. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, yeah, my point being that if you don't follow these guys, please, please go do that. Uh, they're they're just hilarious, and I. I could not enjoy the content that they put out on a regular basis. And I am also Space Case Sarah 22 on Instagram, but I'm Space Case Sarah everywhere. And you also, as a reminder, can go to iRockspaceRadio.com and follow the social media accounts of our station. We're on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and TikTok. And uh, you also can sign up for our crew club. So you put in your information, tell them your t-shirt size, and bada bing, bada boom, you will get a sweet, cool t-shirt from iRock Space Radio, which by the way, I do have getting sent your way, gentlemen, an extra special uh, welcome to the crew pack. And uh, yeah, we're gonna talk today about Artemis. We looked last week at Apollo and I found some fun facts about Apollo. I don't have as many fun facts about Artemis, but I think that it's just the biggest space conversation that is happening in this industry right now. And honestly, I kind of have a sneaky hunch that maybe on the third, it it might have launched. I've been hearing a lot of mixed rumors on the ground that uh, there might be a weather system developing in the Atlantic that could be moving in that direction over the weekend that could foil the plans. And as of this time of recording right now, we still don't know what is going to be said in the press conference that's coming in about two hours. So kind of the catch 22 of recording in advance so that we have this awesome content for you. We're not, we're like one step behind (laughs) on whatever is relevant current news. So we'll find out if you're listening and you're like, geez, they, they're talking about it and it already launched and everything went well, then great. We're super happy. We're so excited that it went all to plan. Uh, and if not, well, oh darn, we're <laughs> eagerly awaiting with you right now. <laughs> so we're going to talk Artemis. Oh my God, look at that. Yeah. This is the part where you hit pause. It's like a choose your own adventure book. If if Artemis had launched, press one. Oh my God! No, oh, it was amazing. Did you see? Oh, it was just flawless. And oh, or it didn't launch. Press two. I feel like wow. All of all of all of space Twitter has like two folders of memes prepared, like successful yeah. Artemis launch memes <laughs> and like epic failure launch memes. 
Ah, oh, the internet is fast to you. I mean, oh, oh space yeah. Twitter was fast with the memes for engine number three. They were <laughs> everywhere, <laughs> everywhere. It was fantastic. I love it so much. All right, we're going to take our quick radio break, our, our little break here that we say quick, but we do realize it can be a little bit lengthy, this first chunk. So please bear with it as we get through some music. And when we return, we will talk Artemis and I mean enjoy the space music while you wait you know watch some it's stuff some on time. Artemis get Lots in get Bowie. in the vibe get in the feel and uh we will probably have a lot more to talk about about space memes and space twitter so hang in there <laughs> you are listening to the space case Sarah show with my co-hosts Kavi Rose and Benjamin Salas here on iRock Space Radio Welcome back to the Space Case Sarah Show with the Space Nerds Kavi and Benjamin here on iRock Space Radio. Last week we talked about Apollo and today we are looking forward to the future and we're talking Artemis. And as we said in the first segment, as of this recording, it has not launched, but it maybe has by the time you've listened or it maybe is on its second delay. Who knows? I am selfishly hoping that it will completely miss this window altogether and bump into October. So that way I can maybe have a chance to go because oh. October is more feasible for me to bop down to Florida for a few days to catch a launch. So, so I if have... there's a delay, we'll know who's at the center of it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to sneak the in. The weather. Through. Wink. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I, yeah. I'm going to be out there. What's the, what's the opposite of a rain dance? Like a a pro pro dance a sundance sure or does that have something yeah, to do with film I, I don't know <laughs> it does and now we're gonna get flagged for copyright infringement thanks uh i'm just kidding <laughs> so artemis has a long history of a lot of mm, struggles to get to where we are right now and the struggles obviously still continue to a degree and actually it's really comical to me i have posters in my kids room from oh i don't remember who's on the on the poster now but it is a contractor who is actually not affiliated with the sls rocket project anymore and it's kind of funny when i look at that because i got it from another nasa ambassador who got it like years ago and he always kind of panders off outdated nasa jargon to me like he, uh, he's even given me um pictures of like the solar system that we have way more uh you know advanced pictures than those it's really funny to me he's like he's like here have these so i don't even really know the the start of of sls and and like how did how did we get to this point how did we get to this billion dollar rocket and i'm not trying to like knock on it but it is there there is some truth to this like how do how did we get to the the place that we're at with this expensive of a rocket and is it going to be sustainable They're both like, uh, know, these are big questions, I, I, right? I, I think it's going to be uh, interesting to see as far as sustainability goes. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. It costs about a billion dollars for every shuttle launch. And the technology for launching the rocket, the shuttle, wasn't all too different than it is for SLS. We literally have literally the exact same engines that were on the back of the shuttle the same ones that flew on the bottom of SLS. We're using the exact same kind of solid rocket boosters on the sides that we did for the shuttle. 
So it's the exact same uh, propulsion that we have. The difference, though, is we are sending uh, the biggest uh, human-rated craft to the moon that's ever flown to the moon. And it's going to go further, and it's going to be going on much longer missions than the shuttles did. Longer as far as uh, distance goes and mm-hmm. longer eventually as far as like duration and space goes the shuttles went up for what a week sometimes two weeks in orbit yeah. and then they came down and uh, this idea of the sls and the orion going to the moon it's four days there how much time you spend there four days back so we have uh i think similar technology a lot of it's really close but also i think more bang for your buck so it's yeah. a hefty price tag, though, but we're going to get more, I hope. Mm-hmm. I think Hopefully. I think the main difference technologically comes on a more micro scale. Like you were saying, Benjamin, the actual rocket booster themselves, there's nothing particularly new under the sun there. But when it comes to what they're launching, uh, in terms of the crew module and the uh, European Space Agency's service module that's at you know the base of that, there's a lot of new stuff there. Um, and that's what they're testing with this first flight. They're actually going to see, okay, in terms of um, supplying air and electricity and power to the crew module for an extended period of time. So I think they're planning for between 26 and 42 days for this thing to last. Um, it's going to be a, a really important kind of testing ground. And as well as that, you know, testing things like radiation suits um, that, you know, this is totally new technology where we're planning to spend extended durations in space. Whereas, I don't know, from what I've understood with the Apollo missions, it was kind of like, get there, do the tests, get on the moon, wave to the camera, and get the hell out of Dodge. Because I just right. didn't know what they were doing. I didn't know the implications. I didn't know like what the health effects would be. So I think on a, on a micro level, on the actual details of what's happening, there's a lot of new, interesting technology there. Absolutely. For sure. Well, I'm looking at the uh, the Wikipedia page for Artemis right now. Um, and like I said, I, I kind of know the history of it, but it, and to be fair in my defense, it has been such a, a long going saga that has changed names and administrations that, um, mm-hmm. you know, it originally kind of, I guess the original legislation of it was back in 2005. So this right. is like the birth of it today, which not to make uh, anyone feel bad, but I was graduating high school in 2005. So that's why I have like very vague following understanding of those early years because it, it was not on my radar whatsoever. Um, and yeah, it, it, it there were ideas and those ideas got canceled and then different funding and different laws and different things, different ideas. And it really wasn't until 2017 that it like pulled together into what we know it as of today. And, um, and that was also when there was a very ambitious goal to land people on the moon by 2024, which we all obviously understand is not going to happen at this rate. But um, I mean, it's not actually too far off. If we do actually get people on by 2025, that's still pretty much on target with that initial very, very lofty goal. Um, But the thing that I think stands out about this early history and something that has often been criticized with how NASA works 
is that we can really look at the flip-flopping of administrations and their priorities mm -hmm. as a huge detriment to NASA as a, for lack of all better terms, a business, if you will. Like mm -hmm. it, it doesn't run efficiently when its priorities get reshifted every four to eight years, right? That's where I think there is a lot of criticism and it, and it justly is so. And that's where, you know, I can't tell you how to reinvent the wheel. I don't know how we could do it any differently in it or any better. I can say that that's why they started the NASA JPL Solar System Ambassador Program, because they wanted to have more people on the ground in all different corners of the United States, understanding what the programs are and why you should be voting with encouraging whoever you're voting for that that space policy should be on their radar. So that is definitely a reason that they have that program and uh, whether it's effective or not, I don't know. <laughs> um, but so we're here. We made it. It got rolled out, rolled back in, rolled out. But now and we're going to wait and see it. Get rolled well, back in. <laughs> the photos I'm saying, it's like, how do you roll out something that's like 300 feet high? Right. Very it's so big that it made me say it in feet, not metric. Oh my gosh! Whoa! Wow! Well, we just we just the Australian is so flustered and flabbergasted. He has to <laughs> has to use the king's <laughs> the king's <laughs> measuring <laughs> units again. Oh. The king's foot <laughs> measure. Half a kilometer an hour. Does that help? <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's it's three eagles per freedom. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> American units. <laughs> I love that. Uh, fun story the, about the, the giant crawler that carries this thing. Once it yeah. starts moving, it can't stop. It can't hit the brakes. <laughs> what? Or it's going to be. It can't. It's like a Keanu Reeves movie from the Wait, 90s. so how does it. So does... It very slowly slows down. I went to a NASA social uh, in Kennedy and they were walking us along the. The, the crawler way and talk to us about it whatever and they told us a very sad story about an alligator because <gasps> it's a very it's a beautiful nature preserve kennedy space center most of it like 80 percent of it is just natural wetlands and so an alligator got in the way of a crawler as it was in motion and it wasn't going to move and they tried to move it but it got to a point where the crawler is so close they're now risking the lives of the people who are trying to save the alligator so they said all right well goodbye <laughs> and uh i forget which shuttle it was but it took out a uh oh my god because it just well, it, could, it can't stop that thing it, it's and the alligator went to space slow but physics <laughs> is... the alligator <laughs> climbed aboard the shuttle man i guess that's a darwin in action right there right like if they tried to get it to move too like like i you i, I guess it had i don't know a death wish wow that's a <laughs> Oh, but that's wild. So they just, mm -hmm. so they basically, do they program it to say like, we want to go X amount of distance, but start shutting down by blah. And then they just do that coast until it's done. Well, there's actual, work? there's actual drivers, uh, people who oh. actually So they it. just like let go. And then we just coast to a stop at the right place. I don't believe they let go, but I believe they slowly power down in a hmm. very controlled I, manner. I guess. Yeah. They can't, they probably can't decelerate too rapidly like their deceleration has to be constant otherwise you end up mm -hmm. with like a you know a jerk that would end up you know toppling or destabilizing whatever they're carrying right which you don't yeah, want you know we're like oh no it's crocky the crocodile and let's like you know drop 
A <laughs> billion dollar <laughs> rocket. <laughs> wow, it would be like that SpaceX landing. It would be like that SpaceX <laughs> landing where it like it just almost stuck the landing, and then you slowly see it tipping over. It's like no, no, yeah, right, <laughs> right, right. And then the alligator just kind of walks. These are uh, two big, big, big rockets are going to be lining up pretty close. In what rumor has it, you know, uh, that SpaceX is also gearing up for their big rocket yes. launch. So this could be, you know, especially if this Artemis delays out to October, this could be a very interesting fall season that we're heading into with just big, big first launches. Speaking of firsts, mm -hmm. I did also want to give a big shout out and whoot, whoot to uh, Charlie Blackwell Thompson, who is yes. the mission director, flight director for this Artemis launch. And... You know, it got delayed and people were like very disappointed, obviously, but also, and I think this is very fair, this is a great measurement of that leadership, understanding that there was a risk and they weren't just going to push through the risk and risk this uh, very expensive rocket that we have already talked about. And so that largely fell on her call on her shoulders. So I think that that is uh, something to give her like a round of applause because she is the first ever female flight director. So that is a, 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 but a big responsibility because we learned our lessons from shuttle. We learned our lessons about the publicity and making something happen because you're so desperate to make it work because of all of the blunders mm -hmm. and the failures. And, mm -hmm. and that's unfortunately what we saw with shuttle and epically. So with having this teacher going to space and it was a big publicity push for public support of NASA. And so I feel that this was a very, probably a very difficult call, but the right one. Um, yeah. From what I understand, the the rocket, rocket three was not cooling down properly. And um, there was also, and I, I even was like, wow, that is eerily similar. There was some ice building up on one of the like styrofoam parts on the outside. And they didn't think that that was a problem, but they pointed that out, that that was a bit of an anomaly. And um, which is very reminiscent of Columbia. a challenger disaster. Oh, so, well. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think that was a, a, a very good call and we will be very much looking forward to the next attempt of this launch. We're going to need to take a break. I wanted to talk when we get back a bit about some of the payload, because people think that this is just an uncrewed flight, but there actually are some payloads going up and yep. the specific mission objectives, which we touched on that Artemis is going to be doing. And uh, Ben, you also have to do some follow-up with the ESA on this show and your, your plug for Sean the Sheep to make a grand tour in your neck of the woods. <laughs> so we got some things still we can talk about. Uh, you're listening to the Space Case Sarah Show here with Kavi and Benjamin, my space nerds, here on IROC Space Radio. Welcome back to the Space Case Sarah Show with the space nerds Kavi Rose and Benjamin Salas here on IROC Space Radio. And we are finishing up a conversation about Artemis. And like you said, either it has launched by the time you've listened or are listening to this or hasn't, but we're still, uh, we're really excited about it either way. And we're going to talk about what is on this. It's not, it is going up uncrewed. And I actually have had a few people when I, I, I did an experiment actually over this week, I, I talked to a few people and I said, Hey, this is really random, but this is my job. 
did you know that there's a rocket going back to the moon? And they're like, no, you know, and n- overwhelmingly people are like, oh, I had no idea. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, you know, maybe, maybe on Monday. And they're like, what? And so then mm-hmm. I go spew into this whole thing. And then the next thing is like, well, are people on it? No, people aren't on it. And so mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that it's less significant because this is, first of all, this is huge, right? This is our return mm-hmm. to the moon. Even if nobody's on it, we haven't had any spacecraft capable of even getting out this far since what, 1972? Right. Something like I that. Think this is and- the furthest a human graded, uh, uh, you know, vessel will ever go for away from earth yes yeah because it's gonna orbit the moon but it's actually gonna slingshot quite a ways out from the moon and then come back in and that is going to be you know we have so much more technology and cameras than the last time we went to the moon too so i am really Mm -hmm. looking forward to that even if people aren't on it um i saw a little a little promotional video thing. And they talked about, you know, this is going to be the first time a new generation will have its own earth rise moment. Granted, it's not someone on there, but you know, we'll see those cameras have that earth rise moment. And so it it is, it's huge, but Kavi is very aware apparently of all the, uh, (laughs) not alive, but things going on board. We have Helga. Uh, We have, we have, yeah, there are, there are three, life-size dolls or as an adult would call them mannequins uh that are going up on artemis one uh we have uh, campos <laughs> campos uh helga and zohar um campos which i think is named after arthur campos who was an electrical engineer who worked uh at nasa during the apollo era um so campos is going to be sitting in the front seat and has a bunch of uh, accelerometers and gyroscopes on him and that's going to kind of explain uh, or, or provide data to NASA about what G-forces and, and what, you know, the acceleration experience will be of the astronauts who go up. But Helga and Zohar actually are doing something really interesting. Um, they are testing out this new radiation suit um, that's produced by a company called STEMRAD. And it's a collaboration between uh, the US, Israel, and Germany. Um, so I guess that's why Helga and Zohar. Um, mm-hmm. And What's really interesting, I find, about the way that STEMRAD designs its suits is that it's not one size fits all. They're actually specially designed with different uh, radiation protective material, depending on the body type and depending on the physiology. Because um, human physiology, depending on you know all sorts of things like age and, and gender, uh, it will have different areas that are more or less sensitive. And so they're actually looking to test these suits to see how it will affect female astronauts specifically. Yeah. Benjamin mentioned that last week too. I just mm-hmm. didn't know that it was a special radiation suit that, that was making oh, yeah. that possible. So that's, that's very interesting. That's very cool. And uh, there's also a, um, a couple of figurines that are going to be the zero G indicators that we had a fun interaction with the European <laughs> space agency on my Twitter account about uh, they spoke on behalf of Sean, the sheep, Benjamin really made a pull for can can Sean the sheep come visit me and the ESA replied to us if you want to share it, you were the, you were basking in that glory man I was it's not every day a space agency any space agency tells you that you can't have a sheep 
but uh, <laughs> th- I, that was me. That was my moment uh, on Sarah's Twitter. They asked if uh, she posted if anybody had any questions for her interview with Doctor Z. I forget his full name, Sarah. I'm uh, sorry. Zipperkin. Zipperkin. Thank you. Uh, she was interviewing Doctor Zipperkin. Did anybody have any questions? Of course, I had some questions, and one of the questions was, "Can I have the sheep when it gets back?" As a joke, <laughs> but ESA uh, took that moment to respond to some lunatic this asking for the sheep. Said, "No, nope, uh, we're going to have the sheep come back and do some uh, uh, debriefing after his mission." And yeah. I thought that was wonderful. And so, of course, I yelled in every piece of uh uh social media that i have access to like oh my god the esa yeah. wrote me back oh my god the ESA wrote me back. I can't yes. still want the sheep by the way <laughs> I, maybe maybe sean the sheep will maybe we can convince him to do an iraq video or a visit you know something to that effect so we have sean the sheep that is the mascot representative i suppose if you will for the european mm-hmm. space agency and then we have the return of snoopy i don't actually really know the history of the peanuts in depth with their history with NASA. I know this is not the first time and Snoopy is making his return. And by the way, I bought my kids little Snoopy like backpack clips, like little stuffed animal things. And boy, does that, that brand carry some markup in how much those little stuffed animals cost. I'm telling you, I was, I, I didn't, I just saw it and I was like, that's a, that's so cool. And I got it for my kids. And then I was like, who do you want to, how much? So enjoy. <laughs> Uh, they got to pay for that billion dollar rocket somewhere. So that's apparently where, um, but no, all jokes aside, it'll be, those are the zero G indicators, which are those, those stuffed animals. It's usually something of some sort of significance to the astronauts when they are flying up. That is a visual to indicate that they have now entered zero G. And so like, for example, inspiration for, they took up a, a stuffed animal service guide dog stuffed animal and that was their zero g in, in indicator for um the saint jude's research hospital <clears throat> um but we also have some experiments and things going up on artemis so it's going to actually release some payload around the moon one of which i know is a light sail that is going to do a very close pass to an asteroid Ooh. Um, I'm not really sure what the rest of them are. That one just kind of jumped out at me because light sail technology is still largely underutilized at this point. And so it's very, very cool that NASA is using that for some scientific research. Um, and for those listening who don't know what light sail technology is, that is, uh, uh, just basically it's a big solar, it's a sail, like a sailboat. Um, and it is sailing on the winds of the sun, which are the, the photons, right? Am I saying, yeah, right. The photons, or is it the, I think, I think the actual, the actual thing that's propelling a a solar sail is the electrically charged particles that are being shot off from the sun and the solar wind. Um, I don't think it's photovoltaic, but, but yeah. Essentially (laughs) something like that, but yeah, it's sailing on the, on the wind and that's, uh, the easiest way to explain it. Um, and the the beauty of these is that it's as long as our sun doesn't blow up, it's never ending energy to propel it in a direction. So, you know, it'll go around the earth, it'll catch its, you know, second wind, if you will, and go whoop, and it'll just keep building up that acceleration. So uh, unless like, you know, eight minutes later, it's like, ah, shit. 
<laughs> we don't have any energy now. <laughs> I'm just imagining the fuel gauge on a solar sail. One side says sun, and one side says exploded. <laughs> no more fun. Nothing in between. <laughs> but, for, but for people who, who think that sounds like a little bit out there, um, this isn't totally new technology. The Planetary Society actually crowdfunded two solar sail missions, and mm-hmm. uh, they've tested this technology. So this is very much real, um, and it really works. And you know, in the future, this would be a very sustainable way of uh, propelling spacecraft in space. In fact, I think the Breakthrough Starshot project, which is this kind of wild idea of sending probes uh, to, you know, getting them up to near the speed of light or significant fractions of the speed of light to like, you know, send a probe to go to Alpha Centauri or wherever. Mm-hmm. They're using a similar idea where they're basically taking highly powered lasers on the ground and kind of pointing them at a solar sail or a similar mm-hmm. technology. Really cool. It's, uh, it's yeah, the stuff of science fiction, but it, it it's really awesome. Absolutely. Speaking of asteroids too, and she owes me a visit on this show. We have the um, the Didymus. An asteroid? An asteroid Ooh. mission. The DART mission coming up uh-huh. soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me look up the date on that. But Joan Marie, do you know who she oh, is? Yeah. Yes, course. I know who Joan Marie is. Uh, she <laughs> has owed me for like a year now. Hold on. When are we crashing? In September. So it's coming up. She owes me a visit on this show. So I'm going to see if we can get Joan to join in and talk to us about DART. Speaking of asteroids, that is another really big mission uh, that's going to be happening soon. Kind of in the throes of the drama of Artemis. This is also something that NASA have put out a call for a NASA social for people to go to that. And so it's kind of getting a little less attention because obviously Artemis but this is an equally really momentous moment for us to prove that we can basically defend our planet against an Armageddon-like situation because Bruce Willis, is he's not capable of saving us anymore. So we he, have He's getting some... a bit old. Yeah, he can't, he we're going to have to figure something He can't just hop on a rocket. If we're on the topic of, of you know, the benefits of NASA technology and... and you know, investing in space as an ecosystem, you know, for example, saving humanity against asteroids that are coming to kill us. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to just like clear up some of the misunderstandings that people were having. Cause I'm not sure if you guys saw that there was a whole Facebook thread when I had, I had posted about, you know, why don't people know that we're going back to the moon? And I the, did the, see the that. I didn't of, see the thread though. It was, it was a dumpster fire. And <laughs> I, I think like the main the main two things that people were pushing back on, because, you know, there are obviously a lot of people who were super excited about it and were aware and people who weren't aware who were super excited once they found out. But I was hearing, I was hearing two main negative things. One was, oh, you know, why are we wasting, you know, taxpayer dollars on this? And to which I say, like, you know, when you consider the fraction that this is of the U.S. budget, um, it's just laughable. You're talking like then I think the NASA annual budget is like twenty five mil- billion dollars a year, and right. the U.S. military budget is like seven hundred and fifty billion dollars a year. So calm down. But the second point is when people <laughs> say, um, <laughs> "Sit down." But but the second point was that you know people were saying, "Oh, you know, it's not just a waste of money. It's we have bigger problems to solve on Earth." And, and I think that people don't understand just how 
crucial space exploration is to solving problems on Earth. Like you need only, you know, you can go to the Wikipedia page for NASA spin-offs to see that things like air and water filtration systems and firefighting equipment and Velcro and GPS and like all of these things mm-hmm. that were developed as a spin-off, as a result of space exploration. But yeah, like you were saying, in terms of defending Earth from asteroids, in terms of studying and modeling climate change and, you know, maybe taking some preventative action. I mean, all of this stuff is so closely tied to space exploration. So that's just, sorry for my little rant, but like, no, no, no. it's really important. <laughs> rant, rant, super appreciated and something I have touched base on this station previously about the benefits of space exploration and how it has helped mm-hmm. us on Earth. And I've also seen online floating around, looping this back to Artemis, where people are like, well, why are we sending people we should just be sending robots. Like we should not be sending humans. Why are we putting effort into that? And um, I'm going to give you an opportunity, Ben. Why why send people? Why send people and not robots? If you send a robot and it'll it can survive way more stresses of the of the travel than a human can. That's awesome. It's not going to need water or air to survive. It can just do its job. But it's going to move and work and discover things much more slowly every movement it makes every inch that it travels that's gonna require a signal sent to it a signal sent back then to a group of people in the room they're gonna make a discussion a a meeting and decide what happens next they're gonna be slow incremental progress you send two curious people down there they're not going to ask nasa or they're not going to call back to Houston saying, what should we do? They're simply going to say, I put these three rocks in a bag. I'm bringing them home. They're going to go see what's that curious thing over there. It's only three steps. They're going to go. They're going to walk around. Something will catch their eye. Of course, they're going to be in constant communication, but they're also going to not only be asking NASA for every little thing they're supposed to do. They're also going to be dictating to NASA. This is what we found. This is what this is a good idea you had, but I'm here on the ground telling you it's not going to work if we do it this way. We should try it this way because I'm here. I see the terrain. I understand what's happening. And so sending people there is an absolute big, 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 big step, especially uh, with one of the uh, loftier goals of Artemis is creating the gateway, which is going to be a possible outpost mm-hmm. with the, which was going to send people further out into the solar system well then you might as well start sending people right i also want to end that thought as sort of a teaser for our next episode but also end in an altruistic humanistic romantic kind of way it also is to me it is something we are meant to do it is built in our dna there were you know early people had absolutely no reason to believe that if they crossed that big body of water, there was something on the other side. In my opinion, that is almost even more risky and ambitious than our goals today, because we know where we're going to get. They had no idea. They were like, I Mm -hmm. just believe inside that for some reason, there might be better things out there. There's something out there to explore and and to discover. And I truly believe that it is part of the, the weird phenomenon of us being alive on this in this universe is that we are meant to explore it. And so with that, 
I wanted to use that as a teaser also for our episode next week. We really wanted to take a look at, I guess, kind of the romanticism of NASA and the naming process and all of the hidden meaning and nuances of, you know, the name Apollo, the name Artemis. I, uh, I think the list is pretty much almost endless in all of the little Easter eggs and nods. And like, I mean, they put a piece of the Wright brothers plane on ingenuity as an homage to a, a vehicle flying on another planet for the first time. And if, if you don't think that scientists are, if you think they're emotionless, you are so sorely mistaken. There's so much like just, it just, it's what makes it worth it to me too. It's what mm-hmm. makes us connect to it as a, an emotional human being. So we wanted to look at that next week and also give you fun facts and history knowledge and I didn't include a giveaway today, but you know what? You still have the opportunity to go and get a free t-shirt. No competition required. So go find irockspaceradio.com and right at the bottom, it'll pop up. Join the crew club. Join our crew club and get a free t-shirt. Amber, I'm sorry in advance if you get a bunch of influx of people (laughs) asking for t-shirts. And uh, as a reminder, you can follow me as SpaceCaseSarah22 on Instagram, but then I'm SpaceCaseSarah everywhere on all the other social media platforms. Gentlemen, throw out your handles. Okay. Uh, I'm... I'm, I'm just going to go. Uh, <laughs> uh, I run Science Actually. Uh, you can go to scienceactually.com. You can see links to all my social media platforms. You can go to Facebook under Actually Science. That's the biggest uh, draw where all my science memes and articles go. And on Instagram, TikTok, Science Actually, Science Actually. And Kavi? Yeah, you can find me at Fun Fact Science on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, um if you're looking for some fun facts about science or some fun memes that are vaguely related <laughs> to science <laughs> but yeah. will definitely give you a chuckle <laughs> yeah definitely so yeah find them i i always put a, i have disclaimers on some of my social media i'm like no consistency in content here because it's true I'm, I'm like all over the place but you, you guys are you're hilarious and and it's you stick to more funny science and science facts so go find them um Thank you for listening. Thank you to everyone who has been tuning in and supporting, especially the the newer listeners who both you and Ben, you Ben and Kavi have brought in. I really could not express more than what words can encapsulate how much I appreciate people commenting and giving suggestions and tuning in and letting us know what they think. Like I truly, truly, truly appreciate this new audience and um, it wouldn't be possible without you guys. And obviously we wouldn't have this show without listeners. So thank you to everyone. Thank you to IROC and we're going to sign out. You have been listening to the Space Case Sarah show with the space nerds, Kavi and Benjamin here on IROC Space Radio. You've been listening to the Space Case Sarah Show with the Space Nerds, Kavi and Benjamin, a production of iRock Space Radio. Go to iRockSpaceRadio.com for more.